welcome to Highway 89, BYU Broadcasting's live music performance program. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Way back in the day, and by back in the day I'm talking 1600s, 1700s, Arcangelo Corelli enthralled the elite of Italy and Europe, throughout Europe, a generation before anyone ever heard of one Johann Sebastian Bach or J.F. Handel. He was an original, even a bit of a renegade. His methods made him a renowned violinist, a sought-after teacher, and a lauded composer. He told his students to focus on making their instruments sing, developing the technique known as cantabile, which changed the way comp- composers thought. Arcangelo Corelli became so famous, he had the rare privilege of dying rich and gathered a slew of titles in his lifetime, like world's first great violinist and founder of modern violin technique. Not too bad. In this hour, we'll delve into violin sonatas written by composers, all strongly influenced by Corelli during the Baroque era. And what's more, is, as far as we can tell, this will be the first time some of the pieces have ever been professionally recorded and broadcast. Here to perform live for us are Alexander Woods, violinist from BYU School of Music faculty, cellist Ezra Seltzer, who graduated from the inaugural class of Juilliard's Historical Performance Program, and Avi Stein, who teaches harpsichord at Longy School of Music in Massachusetts, vocal repertoire at Yale Institute of Sacred Music, and continuo accompaniment at the Juilliard School. We'll talk with them a little later, but now for some music from Evaristo Felice dal Abaco, from his Opus 4, Sonata Number no. 4, followed by Sonata Number no. 7. Thank you. 
Sonatas number seven and four of Evaristo Felice del Abaco's Opus 4. I'm Stephen Cap Perry, and you're listening to music performed live on Highway 89. People love to ask musicians if they come from a musical family, and maybe that's one of the most common questions ever asked. And our violinist, Alexander Woods, fell asleep to the sound of his mother singing Schubert songs, his father playing piano, so yes, we'll answer that right off. And even uh, we're glad to have uh, Alex's brother Garrick was here recently playing cello for another show. Alexander Woods is assistant professor of violin at Brigham Young University, studied at Yale School of Music, Manhattan School of Music, and the University of Arizona in Tucson, and a list of important other performance venues too long to list. So the last time you were here, Alex, you played pieces by Zoltan Kodai, Kodai and I'm wondering if you like to focus on a particular era like you are today, or just the full gamut? I, I actually really love the full gamut of music. Um, I've ended up playing a lot of early music um, in the last few years, um, and I really do enjoy, enjoy it. I'm drawn to it, um, but I love to be able to play everything. So it was fun to be able to do Kodai a few years ago, and it's fun to do some Baroque music today. Well, today's performance is also maybe a precursor to even greater things. This We're kind of catching you in the middle of preparing for a recording project. That's right. Tell me about this. Yeah, I'm really excited. We're going to be recording these pieces this summer in August uh, in New Jersey at Drew University, a wonderful concert hall there. Um, I got the idea of this, this project actually just talking with uh, my friend Avi here who's playing harpsichord in a little cafe in, in New York. And I thought I said, you know, I think I'd like to do a, an album of violin snaz. Would you be into that? And he was like, yeah, actually, I know some really good pieces that we can maybe check out. And so it's been fun to kind of do some, some sleuthing and finding some interesting pieces to play. And this is, this is the first sort of result of that process. So some of these composers are fairly obscure. So where do you go looking for? You can't just Google old music and have right. them pop up. <laughs> well, Avi, um, I'm not sure how he found these guys, but he had, um, he had sort of sent me a list of names and, and I kind of went from there. Um, we're, we're so lucky now that we have um, public domain music so accessible. And so a lot of this, this uh, music that we're playing today was actually on the internet in public domain areas mm-hmm. and we were able to, to go through it. And of course, there's not every piece is maybe going to connect with you personally. So you do have to go through a lot of this music that you find and find the ones that speak to you. And I think we found some of those for today's, today's performance. Well, we, let's hear some more. We're going to be hearing from a composer. He wrote by the name of Giovanni Enrico Albicastro, which was kind of a direct translation from his birth name, Johann Heinrich von Weissenberg. I guess if he had gone to England, he'd be John Henry Whitecastle. And he was born in Bavaria in the 1600s. Besides being a musician, he liked to vary his life and spent time also as a captain of the cavalry in the wars of Spanish succession. I guess if you have a, don't have a gig that week, you find something else to do. We'll listen to Opus 5, uh, the Sonata Number 4.
from Giovanni Enrico Albicastro, Sonata Number no. 4, Opus 5, performed live on Highway 89. It must be great the night after your Carnegie Hall debut to open the New York Times and see written next to your name, Brilliant Organ Soloist. That's what happened the first time our keyboardist today, Avi Stein, played Carnegie Hall. He's a bit of a superstar in the world of historical performance, regularly concertizing, teaching, and recording around the world. Maybe not Australia or Antarctica yet. Is that what's still on the list? Not yet. <laughs> As we hope they'll call if they're listening. He teaches harpsichord at Longy, a vocal repertoire at the Yale Institute of Sacred Music, and continual accompaniment at the Juilliard School, serving also as music director at St. Matthew and St. Timothy Episcopal Church in Manhattan. Avi, thank you for coming today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I just have to ask, because you have an instrument that does not neatly fit into a case with a shoulder strap, how dependent are you on wherever you turn up, they're going to give you a harpsichord? Is it just a guessing game? It's a little bit of a guessing game. Um, being a fairly small world that we play in, um, one has a little bit of a of an idea of what you're getting. Uh -huh. um, there are only so many makers out there, so you can call ahead and say, okay, what kind of a harpsichord is it? Who made it? How old it is? Um, but it's uh, quality varies, let's say, <laughs> depending on where you go. <laughs> well, New York is is notorious for small apartments, and I'm picturing a Murphy bed. I'm picturing a Murphy harpsichord that comes. In. Do you have a harpsichord? I in have your a harpsichord apartment? in my apartment. And do you have to set things on top of it, or work? how does that work? Um, if a friend comes and stays with me, then I pull out the air mattress and it takes up every available floor space. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard that one of your most memorable performances with harpsichord occurred following a three-week excursion in the jungles of Costa Rica. So where was the harpsichord in all of that? Well, that particular concert was on the organ, actually. Oh. Um, I, I went, uh, when I was still in college, we went on a tour in a small music festival in Costa Rica where they basically had you go around various hotels and play in the lobby. Mm. And so for some of those, we managed to get a harpsichord, a very small one, and a beautiful concert at the National Theater, which is this amazing uh, turn of the 20th century building um, in the capital. Uh, but for a lot of it, I just went and hung out with some friends while they played instruments that they carried along um, in these hotels in the middle of the jungle or on the beach. Um, but at the end of the trip, there was a, a big church in a suburb of the capital of, of Costa Rica. It was a big metal church that was prefabricated in Belgium in the 1890s, <laughs> uh, like sort of like the Statue of Liberty, and then uh -huh. transported there. And they had an old or German organ from 1886 or something like that. And they said, could you please play a recital? Which was lovely, except I hadn't practiced the organ in three weeks, not having an instrument. And then I showed up, and this rickety old instrument that I could barely fit into in the rear gallery of this giant church and we got up there and they had a tv camera on me with a big screen in the front to show everybody how it, everything was going and the entire town showed up so 850 people packed the church <laughs> and i had to do i had to make do i'm trying to picture the acoustics of a metal church um the the most memorable part of that that I remember was when the rainstorm came in in the afternoon. <laughs> they thought you'd pulled out an extra stop. Yes. <laughs> One final question. So the harpsichord, uh, the strings are either plucked or they're not plucked. So uh, with the, the string instruments doing a lot of dynamics in this music, uh, how much dynamic control do you have in the harpsichord? Is well, most of the dynamic controls that I do 
uh, involve improvisation because my part isn't actually written out. All I have in front of me is the bass line, basically what Ezra plays in here, and I play that with my left hand. And then there's a shorthand system of notation called figured bass that basically tells me what the chords are. It's a little bit like lead sheets in pop music. Uh-huh. And, and so I play lots of notes with the right hand or a few notes in the right hand in order to get a bigger sound or a smaller mm-hmm. sound and to try and imitate what they can do so naturally. Well, let's hear more of this. It's so rare to hear from the har- hear the harpsichord, and I don't know if this helps while you're listening, but for me to know that it's a nine-foot harpsichord painted blue, and some of it's almost, it's, I don't know what kind of blue. It's, we'll call it BYU blue for today, cougar blue. It's not quite sky blue, but it's quite a sight, and maybe that'll change how you listen as you hear this. We'll perform another work by uh, Dalabaco from his Opus 4, Sonata Number no. 8. Thank you. 
Music of the Baroque era from Evaristo Felice Dallabaco, Sonata Number no. 8 from his Opus 4, performed live by Alexander Woods, Ezra Seltzer, and Avi Stein. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Just in the interest of fairness, and because he's kind of a big deal, we want to give equal time to Ezra Seltzer, uh, cellist. A few years ago, uh, he was the in the inaugural New Historical Performing Program, uh, graduating that, and most recently performed cello solo with the St. Paul Chamber Orchestra, which is quite an achievement. And uh, Alex, I understand you and Ezra have known each other for a long time. Yes, since we were about 13 years old. And where did you happen to cross paths? We both met at the Perlman Music Program, which is a summer program uh, put on by Itzhak Perlman. Um, Yeah, became friends at age 13, and... Uh, ended up playing together quite a bit growing up in high school, and then we both ended up at Yale in grad school, and it's been great to continue playing professionally with each other. Okay. I, what I'm wondering about is the difference between the historic instruments. You're playing on string, string instruments with gut strings, and yes. how is the sound different? You know, you can describe it lots of ways. I think it has more of a sort of earthier, grainier sound. There's The overtones are very different with these strings, with the gut strings, than with uh, steel strings. So I feel like it's a maybe a richer sound. It's certainly not as loud or strident um, as, as a steel string. So it's fun to sort of inhabit a different sound world, this, the sound world that was created for these for these pieces. But enough of a difference. If you're a string player and you listen to a recording, you know. Yes, yeah. Well, because of time, I'm sorry we have no more time to talk, but we don't want to we don't want to skimp on the music. We're going to hear a beautiful piece now, another one from Albi Castro. As our final number, this is a, a type of musical framework that was very typical of the time, La Folia. We'll hear from Opus 5 Sonata number 5.
Opus 5, Sonata Number no. 5, La Foya of Giovanni Enrico Albicastro, a perfect ending to this edition of Highway 89. This hour, we've been lucky enough to have local violinist Alexander Woods in the studio with his colleagues Avi Stein and Ezra Seltzer. We want to especially thank Alex for organizing this performance and wish all three of you the best of luck with your upcoming recording project. We welcome comments and questions from our listeners. To contact us, simply email us at highway89 at byu.edu. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. Our recording engineer is Mark Waite. Our show's producer, Jackie Tataishi. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Thanks for listening.